Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. I'm Key. And this week we are looking at Season 1, Episode 5, Here's Looking at You. Now, Key, in this episode, Frasier gifts Martin a telescope. I want to ask you... Have you ever owned a telescope? I haven't, but I've always wanted one, actually. You've always uh, wanted one? Yeah, a telescope. It's one of those things that, I, I mean, I'm not rich, so I looked in like Argus and things like that. But, <laughs> but I always wanted one. And then like everyone just turned around to me and went, no, you live, there's too many lights. You won't be able to see anything anyway, so don't bother. And you need to, apparently, oh like, good ones, I think, are really expensive. So That um, is like something from a Steven Spielberg film, a little small town boy saving up his money <laughs> for a telescope, only to be told there's too much light pollution where you live you're not allowed to look into the night sky i think my my uncle had one once and it was pretty good like you could see kind of craters on the moon and stuff but i mean if you've got a good pair of binoculars you can see stuff on the moon so i I love um, the idea of you at like an astronomy (laughs) telescopes and you with your binoculars (laughs) well that's one thing i was going to ask kind of if you lived in a penthouse like fraser and you had you know a nice nice telescope like the one he buys martin would you use it for voyeuristic reasons do you yes. think would you use it to spy on people yeah. <laughs> that's pretty 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 resolute there that's a yes from, from my kitchen i can see into other people's kitchens and i i'm staring all the time and i'm doing washing up <laughs> i i agree i think i'd be tempted to the fact they live in a big built-up city you have the anonymity of the city where if you sit in a certain room you can kind of hide the telescope and i would just be you know kind of casting your gaze over the city i would be too tempted i think to to not at least have a little peek around and see what I can find. Yeah, I think it's human nature to sort of be curious about what everyone else is doing. Yeah, it is. I think so, yeah. Um, Okay, so we open this episode with KACL as we are kind of quite common commonly doing so far as we, as we go through season one and Frasier is chatting to Doug the joke here is Frasier's obviously riffing on Doug's grammar and Doug goes ape shit at him <laughs> but I've made a note do you know or can you guess who the the celebrity caller was did you take any note of who it might I be I have no idea I was listening to it and it did pop into my mind all I wonder who it is but I... okay so it is Mr. Jeff Daniels from Dumb and Dumber. Is it really? It is. It's Jeff Daniels, and I hadn't. I didn't know this until I until I looked it up after watching this episode again. But now I hear it, like it just. Yeah, I, I, I'm annoyed I didn't figure that it was him out first because it, the, it really. Yeah, it's it's such a great performance. That's the thing with these voice actors is that once you know who it is, it could never be anyone else. Yeah, Jeff Daniels has just got that. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I mean, I've, I've not seen too many films with him in, and he's done serious roles as well as comedic roles. But yeah, he's just got a really good presence, and though his his rant at Frasier. I mean, I've made a note that I think Frasier is a real arse here. I don't know if you agree. He has enough like social nous and kind of social, you know, he's he's got a big enough grasp of how social protocol works that he knows that's not something you do and expect like good feedback from the person you're doing it to. Yeah, I mean, it's something that's clearly annoying. Oh, you know, yeah. No, no one wants to be corrected on their grammar. But I, that said, I do love his little comeback after Doug's rant. Yeah, yeah. When he, when he goes, uh, I believe he means that is a thing with which he has a problem. <laughs> it's, just, it's perfectly done. It's just a wonderful line. It is. But this, I really empathise with Doug in this opening part of the episode because I am, I'm, as you just said, no one likes it happening to them. And I'm, you know, I'm someone who, I guess I work with grammar a lot. I, you know, I have to have a basic grasp of it. But if I ever hear someone kind of misuse a term or a sentence, I have almost nothing to gain from correcting them other than making them feel a bit shit about themselves. I and remember me feeling kind of faux superiority. I remember 
remember once doing a, a speech and someone pulled me up halfway through. They stopped me in the middle of this speech just to say that I'd used a split infinitive. And I looked oh to her. Oh, my God. I don't even know what that is, mate. So just... Wait, this was, yeah. You were giving like a formal talk. Yeah, I was um, I was in a law class and we were doing, um, we had to practice advocacy. So we had to do like open and closing speeches like barristers do in court. Yeah. And I was in the middle of this speech and it was like a two page speech. And he just stopped me and went, just so you know, that's a split infinitive. Oh my god, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have stuck it out in that class. I'd have been long gone. <laughs> that's not good. I just looked around. Everyone in the room went, "What's that?" I went, "Got." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Do you know what one is now? Have you learned since? I then? do. Yeah, he, he gave me a whole example about Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek's the one everyone yeah. goes to the, to boldly go. But yeah. they, loads of people use split infinitives. I use them all the time, and they just they have a bit of a kind of. It's a bit like a, a social colloquialism that is. Ex- acceptable and like people use them all the time i would never ever even i don't even register when i hear what let alone think to stop someone from using it yeah it's just nuts um so we have here Roz's story about phoning people in yeah how she's on about shopping and how she went down to a shop and someone had phoned in from home and got preferential treatment from her so she's got a complaining to fraser after doug's conversation at this point in the episode and fraser has no sympathy with her and he says oh i do most of my shopping by phone I don't know if this flagged up to you because in the episode High Crane Drifter, which I think is in season three, but I could be wrong. Frasier wants to rent a film, How Green Is My Valley? And yes. he goes to a DVD shop and he his rant to the guy in the DVD shop is almost identical to the one Ross rants at Frasier because someone's phoning in and getting preferential treatment. And it's just, yeah, this really this really struck a chord with me because, I mean, it's not really a, an inconsistency because it's a stupid throwaway gag. But yeah, like... I, I, I really empathise with Roz, and I'm glad to see Frasier ends up empathising with her three seasons later. <laughs> yeah, he gets what's coming to him. But also, who phones up to do their shopping? I mean, I don't. Yeah. That's not survived the test of time, has it? Uh, no, that's a very extremely dated reference. Um, I don't. I think maybe the, like catalogue shopping used to be done by phone. I think like the yeah. the Sears catalogue in um in America in particular. I think it used to be done by phone. So Frasier does strike me as someone who does a lot of shopping from expensive boutique catalogues but uh yeah i think i think ross has got a point here i've got actually at this point my first question for you because just after the kacl scene is the first title card of the of the episode which is a room with a view and it's a very famous book i wondered if you could tell me who authored a room with a view I have no idea. Not at all. Got, you've got no idea. No idea. Okay. Well, that is absolutely fine because I'm being a bit <laughs> cruel here. This is a, this is a bit of a, a bit of a, yeah, a hard one to to open with. But it's E.M. Forster um, who okay. wrote that. Who, who's probably more famous for a passage to India. Are you familiar with that? Um, <laughs> Vaguely, yeah. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I don't want this to turn into like English Lit AP 101. So I made a note of this question in particular because I had at one point a Word document where I was keeping track of every literary reference per episode of Frasier because I, I kind of theorized that there was like one per episode. And as I started going through season one in particular, I got quite far, but as with loads of these little passion project things, I just lost track because my, my kind of rewatch went all over the place. But there is like a, a reference to, to some kind of literary work almost almost once per episode. Some have a few. We've had a few already. We've kind of um, Stanislav Grolf in the in the second yeah. episode, the holotropic mind. Oh. And then obviously one we're here with Ian Forster as well. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's that sort of show, isn't it? It's the sort of show where you can throw in those references, particularly to more 
sophisticated novels. I feel like there's not going to be like many cheap, you know, teen flick literature being referenced. Yeah, yeah, they don't really kind of pander to pulpy fiction or anything like that. It's all, um, it's all very kind of yeah, highbrow, high literary. Um, absolutely. Well, one thing I've got here, which uh, I've noted down actually, which isn't related to kind of literary reference, but it's another kind of pop culture reference they make. Just following on, kind of logically in the the episode, is Fraser quotes Naked City when he looks through the telescope that he's brought Martin. He says like there are a million stories or something in the Naked City, which Naked City was I think a film at one point, but it was also a TV series in the fifties and sixties. It was like a police procedural, ironically something that Martin would have been very at home in, kind of walking yeah. the beat in a in a in a city. But uh, yeah, that that line, there are a million stories in the Naked City. I think we used to kind of end every episode. It was like a little kind of motto of the show. Oh, it's a nice touch. I kind of like that when you see TV characters quoting a TV show, mm. just because that's what I spend most of my time doing. So <laughs> it's nice to see that other human beings just have a frame of reference, which is just pop culture. Yeah. Um, okay. So my yeah. first question is also around this scene. So um, when Martin yeah. looks through the telescope, he sees he sees birds nesting. Uh, what birds are nesting? Oh, as in the, the species of bird? Yeah. Oh, man. What kind of birds do you get in Seattle? <laughs> uh, um, it's not going to be eagles. could be... Um, I'm going to just guess goldfinches. I don't know. Falcons. He sees falcons nesting. Falcons. Oh, man. I was kind of close to eagles. Yeah. It's not a million miles yeah. away. It's, but it's uh, I do... There. Yeah, I do not remember it being falcons, actually. That's, I thought, oh, yeah, that'll ring a bell. But, um, but it does. So yeah, that's the kind of first thing Martin sees through the telescope. Kind of wheeling back a little bit. The point is of this episode, Fraser buys the telescope for Martin because Martin doesn't have any hobbies. Is this like, does this make sense to you that he buys him a telescope? I think it's a bit of a stretch. Um, he doesn't have any hobbies. A telescope, that's what he'll enjoy. It's, I think mm. it's a bit of a leap to get there yeah i uh, mean i know they need it for the for the kind of plot of the show but yeah no I, I agree with you it's a bit of a leap yeah i feel like he could have i mean we find out in i think later episodes that he's really good at chess could have done that could have got him especially when he says that he hangs around the house a lot a telescope's just gonna make you hang around the house more yeah that's that's a good point actually like fraser's kind of like shtick to ross about needing him to to get a hobby the implication there is he needs to get out of the house a little bit more. But yeah, telescope, as you say, it's completely kind of your your housebound when you're using it. Uh, I was going to say, I think there was a very famous film, I can't remember the name, but I think James Stewart might have been it, something like that, where doesn't he break his leg and he ends up just looking out of a telescope? Yeah, it's um, um, Rear Window by Hitchcock, which actually came to mind when I was watching this and I was going to mention it to you. But yeah, I, I love Jimmy Stewart, so glad that he's got a shout in on the podcast. <laughs> God bless him. But yeah, that's a really really good film and all about the kind of voyeurism of the city and when things go wrong and and yeah kind of martin he's kind of subverting that a little bit it would have been funny to see martin kind of an episode parodying that because obviously martin has the cane he's almost he's already kind of halfway there yeah definitely he could uh, it could work so well actually see yeah. a parody of that sort of thing but you know maybe as an alternative martin will just become attorney general of wisconsin yeah so it's really interesting that we have kind of martin doing this housebound hobbying activities and yeah roz mentions that her mom is attorney general of wisconsin did this did this piece of information kind of strike you as odd or did you just think oh yeah, that's pretty befitting actually that's just kind of in keeping with roz's irreverent characterization that she'd have a really powerful mom i mean it works well because i already know 
from what having watched it before that, that you know she's that, I think they reference it quite a few times throughout the run of the show yeah um, they do actually yeah but it, it is it's just this wonderful juxtaposition really because you would think if you looked at Frasier and Roz you would think their parents would be the other way around you yeah know, you, you really would and that's kind you, of the, the, the great beauty of the joke I think yeah it works so well and it's something that, that I think played off really well actually it starts out as a bit of a throwaway gag in this episode mm. but I think it's something that throughout the run of the show they build up quite nicely not like the fact that she comes from Wisconsin there's I think quite a few cheese jokes <laughs> yeah, um, yeah over the run of the show and it's just it's it's really nicely done, actually. It's a, I think it's a real nice sort of slow burner of a joke that just gets better and better over the years. I guess we should have like a, an introduction watch, like a klaxon that goes off every time a new character is introduced, like we did with Bulldog. But yeah, yeah we have, so we have Ross's mom being introduced, and obviously she she comes into it in a little bit. Just going back to Martin, one thing that really struck me rewatching this is Martin expresses like surprise when Eddie got, runs after him out of the room and kind of you know he says, "Oh, I had a dream. I was being." kissed by a woman with horrible breath or something and then obviously he says oh where you know where did you just come from so he's obviously he he expresses surprise that eddie stayed in his room yet throughout the rest of the series that's completely commonplace like he expects eddie to stay in his room with him yeah i think i think the line is for me it's, it's a throwaway line to make it seem that he doesn't appreciate that eddie was the beautiful woman with bad breath that he was dreaming about yeah he it's obviously going to have been him yeah he must have known straight away yeah he would have he'd have kind of opened his eyes and just seen this little white and brown fluff ball <laughs> yeah. staring at him with presumably horrendous breath i mean i've had a dog in the past i know how bad their breath gets that that dream sounds absolutely hellish <laughs> <laughs> actually while while we're talking about that and it's like a surprising part of martin's characterization fraser makes a throwaway joke about not making his bed that morning i mean knowing the fraser that we do he's neurotic and kind of steadfast in all of his kind of routines fraser would never not make his bed in my head no i mean i was gonna say so i think actually this episode it starts quite weak for me Mm, Um, okay i mean for the first i don't know 10 minutes i was gonna say to you that it was the worst episode that we've reviewed so far i actually i I think i agree with you i mean it's pretty early into the episode to say that but this is definitely the weakest of the first five episodes i think once niles comes into it it starts to liven up a bit and it gets a lot funnier Mm. but for me i think I think the first couple of scenes, it's just trying for jokes without maybe building up that that plot that we've maybe gotten used to. Yeah. And for me, they don't quite land as they usually usually do for me. And also is we just have the, the necessary motions to go through so they can establish the plot for this episode. They need to get a telescope into the apartment somehow. They need to crack a few jokes about, you know, Martin and whatever. And then they can obviously have the episode, which is Martin, you know, falling in love and in inverted commas. With yeah. with Irene, who he, he sees across the uh, across the way, but no, I agree with you. It's a, it is a slow burn. I think it's the sort of jokes they're doing and the way they built it up. For me, the first couple of scenes, you wouldn't be if you closed your eyes and you changed the voices and the actors who were saying it. I don't think you'd be able to look at it and go, "Yes, this is a Fraser episode." Yeah, I think I think you're right. There's not there's not enough iconic moments in kind of the early bit. I think. Yeah. Um, um, whereas I think with great episodes, you look at it and you think, "Yes, that's Fraser. That's what makes Fraser great." For me, yeah, it kind of has that flavour. Yeah, especially towards the start of the episode. I don't don't think it's quite there for me. Mm -hmm. No, I I think I agree with you. And this kind of leads us on quite nicely into the kind of next stage of the episode in Nouveau 
closer where Niles is talking to Frasier because, as you said, when Niles comes into this episode, as with so many of them, the, the pace picks up, the jokes pick up, everything just kind of feels a little bit more... I don't know what the word is. Just Niles has such screen presence that he has a kind of magnetism when you're watching. You know something funny is going to come out of, of yeah. the conversation he's in. I was going to say, it feels like everything's just a bit quicker. The back and forth is quicker when Niles is in the room. Yeah. And yeah. that's what carries the jokes off. And it's what... And he, he just... He pushes it forward so well. I just, I'm, I love him. <laughs> yeah, he, he does. He does. He has such momentum and presence and just every, yeah, you give him even a rubbish line. And I mean, there are very few of, we know, you know, the writing's so tight, but even we, even with like a, a half baked line, he can, he can really make it sing. And it's just, yeah, as soon as I see him in this nervosa scene, I know, okay, this episode's going to pick up. Something's going to happen now. There's going to be something funny. And it's responsible, this interaction he has with Frasier for one of my favorite lines from the whole series, season 1 to 11, um, which is a big claim, which is when Niall says, Well, of course, as so often happens, Rough House turns to tears. <laughs> At the end of the evening, Brewster tendered his resignation. That must have put a damper on the evening. Well, not really. I'm the new president. <laughs> When they pulled a they pulled a prank on um, the chair of the of the wine club, and it's just the the, the kind of the, the stupidness of of the fact they switched a wine, and then it's it's the most petty bourgeois prank to play on someone. But the way the the fake gravitas that he delivers the line, rough house turned to tears. I just think is incredible. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. Why he gets so excited about such a nothing prank, <laughs> and, and then just the immediate like grown up oh but it turned bad <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> it's it's just perfectly brilliant. delivered it's fantastically it written there's such a great back and forth. i absolutely love in this scene the back and forth of each of them saying tell me what you do again like just the the what i mean the way frazier goes remind me again what you do for a living <laughs> just so wild i absolutely love it uh, such, that's that's a really nice um yeah that's a really nice exchange that they have the kind of as we've discussed in previous episodes the kind of the serving up of one joke and the other one kind of smashes it back uh it's it's really really good and we just have them kind of sitting now in the episode kind of sharing a coffee in the kind of central table of nervosa uh which is obviously they i mean I, someone should really try and keep count of how many coffees they have across all 11 seasons because that is a statistic i'd like to see yeah I'd they like have I wish they, they average like a couple an episode i think i wish i'd started counting about five episodes ago i know i'm tempted to go back because we could do it now and we could uh i don't think anyone has that count so we we could be the first people to to deliver what the people want which is how many coffees do fraser and ours actually drink i mean that that's first steps on the moon sort of moment isn't it being the very i think it is all right i I think i think we've we've like we've thrown down the gauntlet now we're gonna do that i'm gonna i'm gonna go back and watch the the first four eps and we'll find out what uh how many yeah we'll start counting how many coffees they have so um we have the introduction as as well not in person just yet but niles alludes to one of the most insane cameos that fraser had over the course of its run which is of course niles i think she's having a stroke Do you have any thoughts on Aunt Patrice? Uh, for me, I, I tell you what, I've got a lot of respect for the actress because I have got no idea how she delivered these lines. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the George Stephanopoulos line at the end. 
Yeah, I, I, you can kind of tell that she she slightly gets it wrong because it would take... I mean, it's a tongue twister. It, it would be so difficult to deliver that kind of line um, convincingly. I, don't, I can't understand that at all. It's like it's like pig Latin. Are you familiar with pig Latin? Yeah, yeah, I know pig Latin. Yes, yeah, so you know the kind of rules where you put like X and then A on the... No, you don't put X. You, uh, you take the first letter and then put it at the end and put A or yeah. something like that. Um, I mean, so yeah, G, G speak is kind of like that, but it sounds so much more insane. Yeah, it's like it's like pig Latin on cocaine. That's that's exactly what it's like. And Ambertrice looks like a woman who's probably had a few fat lines in her time. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> I think I think I think we could say that. I've got written down after we get back to Fraser's apartment the fact that this is I think the first time he speaks to Freddy in in the Fraser you know world beyond I, Cheers. I think it is. I think. I think they've referenced him before, but this is definitely the first time they speak because I think he actually says something like, I'll be seeing you in a couple of weeks. And I remember thinking, oh, I wonder if the Christmas episode's coming up soon because I know in the Christmas episode, Freddy was meant to come over. Um, oh, yeah. What a miracle on 3rd or 4th Street. Yeah, and I didn't know if that was maybe the next episode, but it's not It's, it's not for a fair few weeks yet. So yeah. that doesn't mean anything. But yeah, it's it's, um, it's, a nice, it's a nice phone call, I think. It's kind of, you get Frasier as the father figure and his um his interaction with Freddy's, it's, it's quite nice, actually, I think. Yeah, and Martin as well comes across as like a really nice sort of very granddad figure just sitting, stroking his dog. The way the way Eddie's just kind of casually lying on his lap with his head on the uh, on the arm. And I just, all I could think about was when I watched that interview where Kelsey Grammer said that Martin just didn't like Moose at all and, you know, Moose is really, like, curmudgeonly and just, I, I look at a scene like that and you just, you, you get rid of that in your mind and you think, no, surely they loved each other. I mean, look at that. Genuinely, I cannot picture anyone disliking Moose. In my head, he is Eddie. Completely. I mean, I've always loved Jack Russell's, actually. And he, I mean, that is what he is, I think. I don't know if yeah. he's a cross between a Jack yeah. Russell and something else, but he just, yeah, they're a classic breed of dog. They've got that feisty spirit that we associate with Eddie, but often he does just lounge about on Martin's lap. He can do both, I think, which is why he's so good. Um, I'm going to ask one of my next questions. I've got two left. But I'm going to ask the next one now because it's part of Freddy's phone call. Okay. Um, so who does Freddy think is high? under his bed <laughs> i actually think i might know this one i have a I, I can't quite remember the spelling or the pronunciation but it's is it senator thurman yeah it is i i didn't realize i googled him afterwards and there's a d on the end so it's, I, thurman. it's, uh, it's thurman okay but so i get half a point Oh, no, they say Thurman in the episode, I'm sure of it. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, so because... he was an actual senator in the 90s yeah, then. So, uh, not the 90s, uh, so I Googled it, uh, and mm. it turns out that he ran for president in 1948 as part right. of the States' Rights Democratic Party, which was an offshoot of the Democrat Party, and right. was crazy racist. Oh, no, um, that makes sense. So he stood on a platform supporting racial segregation, Ooh. And like the, the Jim Crow laws and all that sort of thing. Um, and he ended up getting 2.4% of the votes and lost to Harry Truman in the 1948 election. Oh, that, I did think I knew the name. That rings a bell. So Senator Thurman is an absolute piece of beep. Uh, yes, basically, and yeah, yeah. Thank God. Well, I don't want to say thank God Truman got it because Truman doesn't, it isn't without his own skeletons in the closet. But uh, 
Yeah, I think it makes sense that Freddy would be. Yeah, it probably doesn't make sense that Freddy would be scared of someone he should not theoretically have any knowledge of when he's like nine years old. But just, obviously, just, Freddy and, and and the family are all very democratic. Yeah, and it's just it's this typical sort of very intellectual. Yeah, yeah, it's, the, the it's, fear it's, that uh, only like a Mensa child could have. Exactly. Yeah. So we we have uh, at this point we have Patrice arriving with Niles and Patrice, of course. Joe, actually, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop here because we've just completely missed out like the core <laughs> part of this episode which is martin speaking to irene so why don't you tell us why don't you tell us about this because i've just i feel like i've been speaking loads so we what we get throughout the episode is get this really nice build-up of irene and, and martin's relationship as they start to get to know each other and it, we just get this wonderful moment where over the pads they're exchanging family history they do yeah and That's we, nice. get, we get to find out about skin conditions that fraser had as a child yes we do which I cannot remember the name of because it's got some insane oh, like Latinate psoriasis type thing. Yeah, is it like Petrius Rosia or Pavone? Yeah, that rings a bell. It's definitely it's something Rosia, I think. Rosia, yeah, yeah, Rosia. So, yeah, 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 you're right. It's something like that. Um, but it's just, it's such a nice moment. I just, I love, it. it, it is like, I mean, Frasier makes a joke that Martin and her and Irene are like school kids passing notes. But they kind of are. You've got this, this really weird, nice dynamic of them exchanging notes over such a long distance. Yeah, you do. And they are kind of, we talked last, uh, last episode actually about how it kind of infantilizes Frasier and Niles a little bit and they're playing the kind of child like role but here it's kind of that's reversed and martin is obviously in that position and fraser cracks the jokes like you know you be home at 11 don't scratch the car and he's kind of encouraging martin to to talk to irene so yeah following on from the last episode actually i didn't realize this until i've just kind of said it now but there's a really nice inversion of their kind of relationship dynamic at play yeah and i think we definitely see in this episode we see a younger martin i think we see as well a more vulnerable martin i think Mm. we see a side to him we haven't really seen yet and it's a side that we will see to great effect in this season later on yeah um but you do see in his little speech to fraser a bit later on about why he doesn't he's not sure if he's ready to start dating and particularly dating irene which turns out to be a lie but still it's touching it um, is, yeah it, we do see this like vulnerable side to him and we see that he does have a sensitive side throughout this episode yeah we do and he's one thing that always kind of, well, I don't know if you noticed this as well, but with with John Mahoney's performance, particularly in the first season or the first half of the first season, he's got that kind of whiskey voice and he's really hamming up the kind of gravelly blue collar stuff. And then by the time the series kind of gets on, he's he's speaking a little bit more kind of normally and he kind of lapses into higher pitches. But like, yeah, he's he's really kind of putting on the, the gravitas of his voice in this. And, you know, the way he says like to Daphne, oh yeah, I'm quite a catch, but he says, it was such gravel and gorse and stuff like that so yeah he's uh we do see that vulnerability and that kind of is at odds with with that kind of gruff uh kind of ex- exterior that we've, we've been used to for the first few episodes now yeah and it, it just it works so well and he's it can be difficult i think to have a character who switches between sort of gruff curmudgeonly to this sensitive side and but we do see it really well i mean we've seen we've started to see the development of the relationship i think between fraser and martin that they started yeah. out the first couple episodes was pretty much just them arguing then we started to see like last week um martin encouraging him for the fight and things like that now we're seeing the reverse of 
Frazier encouraging Martin. Um, and he's just it's starting to open up a little bit. It's really nice. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, it's kind of it's handled really nicely, and yeah, the kind of the beats that the writers are hitting at this point, it's it seems to be following on nicely, kind of episode by episode, and we're kind of seeing that reaping the rewards of that a little bit from from our rewatches. But in comparison to the first half of the episode, it suddenly feels a lot more like the lines have actually been written for the characters rather. Than yeah, this feels like more of a recognisably Frasier-y episode, and yeah, yeah, the, the interactions feel a bit more natural maybe yeah for me they do for me you can it fits into the character development whereas in the thing in the first half of the episode i don't really see that so much yeah no i completely agree um and so at this point in the episode we have <laughs> niles arriving with aunt patrice and another fantastic delivery from fraser when he opens the door and says niles i i was specifically not expecting you <laughs> I just think that is a fantastic line. The the emphasis on specifically, I think it's brilliant. But I just nothing can really prepare you at this point for the whirlwind of madness that is Aunt Patrice. She's just got her own crazy little world going on, and we're all just living in it. Yeah, it's very true. And I, I, I often think, I mean, she could probably be rightfully, you know, scorned by Fraser purists for being a really naff cameo. But I think she actually gives this episode a real kind of memorable kick. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I think. This, for me, I actually think this is... I think she brings a bit of quirkiness to the episode. And it's really yeah. it's nice. It's fun. You know, apart... I mean, so many episodes of Frasier can... Some of them can be very grounded and, and you don't really have that zany element to it. But she just... She brings it in a very nice way, I think. In, yeah, I think so. And the show does have its its fair, you know, share and flirtations with quirkiness as it goes on. And we, you know, we haven't really got there yet. I'm trying to think the, the four episodes we've looked at, there isn't really any kind of quirkiness so to speak, no, I, beyond I think, neuroticisms of Niles, etc. Yeah, I, I don't think yet we've seen a very physical episode in terms of physical comedy and zaniness. And yeah, I mean, I'm looking ahead now, and I, I think the next few, I think, are the same. I don't, I don't think they're that, the same in that in that there isn't much kind of zaniness. Yeah, I think they're still, I think they're still quite grounded for the next mm. few episodes. I guess that makes sense if they're establishing the the kind of world still in season one, but. As we've said, you know, Frasier hits the ground running, really, and it sets the world up in episode two for as much as you really need it to be set up. So I would have liked to have seen a little bit more kind of Aunt Patrice madness, not specifically her, but um, kind of characters adjacent to her, maybe, you know, checkered around season one a little bit more, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, do you think she's a character who could have come back, done more episodes? I think she could have. I mean, they don't give her much to do in this scene. I have to be honest there. Like, they, you know, they give her the G-speak, which one is 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 nuts but also just the fact it's called g speak and the way niall says it oh yeah she's it's g speak i just think that's it's actually really funny like just the concept of that i think is actually really good and i'd, I'd be i would be very you know welcoming if they had brought her back for another episode i could have seen yeah, that trace again she has a couple of really good lines actually i mean we've already discussed the g speak and and how difficult it is to get those lines out but i love the line as well when she's discussing maris and she says you know to this day i don't know how tall she is <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. So we see, like, even to you know, presumably, what she marries his sister uh, or yeah. cousin. Even even to her, she's an absolute enigma. We also find out. I mean, I love as well the little dialogue between her and Frasier for her husband's funeral. Yes, yeah, actually, yeah, the whole of dancing. Laughter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a nice throwaway gag and kind of a little bit more backstory to to, to Patrice's kind of world. Yeah, and I think if she was going to come back, you would have to mm. focus on that side of her character. I think the G speak would get old fast. Yeah, um, yeah. But it, it, it's funny for a few for a few bits, and I would not have wanted to see any 
anymore G speak. Yeah. It was, uh, I just think the name G speak is funnier <laughs> than what it actually is. One thing I've made a note of is that when they arrived, Niles makes the joke about how, oh, I just thought we were a couple of short ferry rides from Frasier's. Obviously, the joke being he's done absolutely everything with Patrice. He needs to get to Frasier's. But did that strike you as weird that he lives ferry rides away? Because I don't ever think that kind of distance is alluded to again in the series. No, I just, for me, I didn't take it seriously. I just assumed it was just a throwaway gag as to... God, just the fact that, yeah, the fact that he, yeah, yeah, he needs to get rid of this woman and that he's been doing kind of so much laborious sightseeing and they've spat off the top of the space needle. I'm sorry I yeah. cracked. You know, it's oh, a really yeah. good, a really good. Also disgusting to imagine Niles doing that. That is so yeah. like not Niles. I did try and make a list at one stage of all the things they, they'd done together. And <laughs> I think I, I think I missed at least one of them. There was a space needle. Did they go to a fashion show? Something like that? Um, then... I, I cannot remember. But I, I mean, I take your word for it if you've made a note. Oh, I've got to try and read my own handwriting now. That's, that's the problem. <laughs> um, and I have absolutely no idea. We have both yeah. always had terrible handwriting. <laughs> yeah, um, I have no idea. But either way, uh, there are just, I love the way that everyone else is just mocking Niles over this and nobody really wants to help him. Everyone's happy just to see him stuck with this woman. Yeah, and it's just the, the relationship that we have throughout the show that well the, the relationship that we see is Niles so often is steered slash dominated by kind of authoritarian women um and Aunt Patrice for all intents and purposes you know she's like Maris Light she uh, she may as well be kind of you know one of Maris's minions because she treats Niles with the same kind of uh you know resentment <laughs> and it's just yeah. contempt and I think he just puts up with it because she's very old money and Niles kind of has an old-fashioned heart and he's kind of loyally bound to deal with her because of Maris. Yeah, and I, I, I love the little bit from um, Daphne and Martin at the end of the scene where Daphne says she feels sorry for him. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really nice actually. Yeah, I feel, I think, I think she says I feel sorry for the poor thing, the poor dear, something like that. Um, to which Martin says I feel sorry for Niles. That's who I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's this wonderful playing of Niles in that submissive role that. They all feel sorry for him. They accept that he's subordinate. They don't want to help. Yeah, they don't want to help. They're quite happy to leave him squirm a little bit. And I think I think the audience, we are quite happy for them to do that because it brings out some just brilliant moments. Like when Niall says, he says um, to Daphne, like in the kitchen, we're alike in so many ways when she's talking about how she doesn't believe opposites attracting. And the way he says that line again, he just seems so vulnerable and kind of pathetic and desperate. Yeah. And it's it's all part of that characterization that's furthered in this app. It's brilliant. Just the way, like, Niall's idea of a chat-up line and the way he instantly reverses, you know, we're, um, I've always said opposite to track. Oh, no, no, we're so alike. <laughs> he <laughs> does that all the time as well, doesn't he? He just takes yeah. it and flips it on its head because, you know, he's just, obviously, he's just <sighs> saying what's Daphne to hear. Um, he's pandering. Yeah, I've, I've, mean, I've forgot the quote, actually, when Martin says to Patrice, what the hell was that? After she first speaks in, in G-Speak. Yeah, and I just think... <laughs> why he says what the hell was that <laughs> it's one of the top quotes of the show yeah I, at one stage i think does he look at nas and say i think she's having a stroke yeah i think he does say that it's just i i mean i would be if someone came into my house and started speaking g speak to me i would also think they were having a stroke because it's I mean, absolutely insane i'd be looking at the person who brought them and be asking what the hell were you thinking <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah she's absolutely nuts 
George Stephanopoulos, for a guy I know nothing about, he is referenced in two of the most popular TV shows of the 1990s. Oh my God, he's in Friends, Friends, isn't he? Yeah, it's all about him. uh, When they're trying to, and quite similar actually, I think they're looking through a window at George Stephanopoulos and trying to get, you know, saying drop the towel, drop the towel. And then, yeah, I remember that now actually. And the episode's named after. Yeah, I think it's the one with George. I can't pronounce his last name. Like listeners are going to like Stephanopoulos. Yeah, Stephanopoulos. Stephanopoulos. I think that's right. I'm going to call him George. Um, (laughs) George. First name terms. Um, so it's that time of the night key where we play a little game that I've affectionately coined, whose crane is it anyway? Where I ask you a quote from the show and you need to just tell me who says it. Now, the quote I've selected here is from a bit from a larger section, but the line is, the city is lit up like a jewel. Ooh. Who says the city is lit up like a jewel? Oh, I don't know. Um, it's going to be a guess. I've got your stew in here. My instinct says that it's either Fraser or Martin. I've got, I'm afraid it's Daphne. Is it Daphne? It's Daphne. Daphne says the city is lit up like a jewel when she is talking about... Um, when, it's when her and Fraser do the little... Uh, oh, she's holding up a note. It says, Martin, oh. was it something I wrote? Oh, I love that line. <laughs> it's so oh. good because it's just that whole childlike kind of thing again. And I think anyone with a heart feels a bit of a pang for Irene at this point, even though they're making it up. I mean, it still feels pretty real. Yeah, it's just it's just really well done. I mean, the way they're taking the mick out of him, I don't think we've really seen Martin be a figure of fun so far off the top of my head. I'm thinking when they argue with him, it's a bit more serious. They've not had a sort of jokey sort of banter at his mm. expense. Yeah. Um, and I love the way that Daphne's really starting to grow into the family. You know, last week yeah. we saw her having breakfast with him for the first time, and now she's in on the jokes, and later on we have a great little bit between her and Martin in the kitchen. Mm. And yeah, yeah. One, of the, one of the things I... Um... I, I noted down about that is that her kind of the, the touching the touching of thing about Daphne in this episode is that Frasier thinks he's worked out why Martin is responding like he is, and his conclusion is the one that makes sense to us as the viewer. When we hear Frasier's rationale, oh, it's because you know mom, you know the mom that passed away, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, we think, oh yeah, that that's why mine's been like years. But then Daphne, with obviously no medical degree whatsoever, just cuts through the bull immediately. She's like, oh, it's your hip. You yeah, know? she's so perceptive, and it's this is the first time I think we really see her in a more serious moment. I mean, so far a lot she's been played for laughs with her being psychic and her relationship with Niles. Mm. This is the first time I think we've, we really see her in a more perceptive role where we see that she has got a great human instinct. And it's just, and she has a really nice moment with, with, with Martin when she basically just says, you're a catch, you know, and don't feel self-conscious. Yeah, and it is like she's known him for so little time at this point. As you say, she's fully assimilated kind of, you know, the domestic routine of Fraser's of Fraser's household, as it were. Yeah. But yeah, the way she speaks to him, it's like a daughter would speak to a to a dad, or um, just yeah, it's it's really it's really touching, I think. And she just seems to she gets Martin so well because other than her and Niles, her relationship with Martin is one of the central relationships I think in the series because obviously they're kind of together all the time and yeah you know they um, have to they have to develop that relationship yeah and i think she has such a strong relationship with martin throughout the show mm. um, that said whenever i think back to this episode i always what i remember is the mother bit not the hip yeah yeah it's, it's fraser's kind of conclusion isn't it and yeah, martin's lie one... that that sticks with you because so many of the 
kind of resolutions from episodes we've seen so far they seem to happen in exactly the same place and it's that moment before you enter the kitchen and it's usually M- M- niles and um, martin turning to frazier or vice versa and they're usually standing in the exact same spot where they have these moments of like intense personal epiphany I mean, what? yeah right. I'm, I'm like you it sticks with me has there ever been a bad scene that was filmed in the kitchen i feel like it's just as scenes go there's a lot of great scenes in that kitchen yeah it's just there's actually someone on the facebook group they posted from i can't remember the episode now it may have been the matchmaker no 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 it was from it was from the candidate with uh phil patterson he he thinks he's an alien that's the one and they're niles and frazier are talking on the other side of the kitchen island and they're kind of sitting at the breakfast like kind of stools and it's one of the rare instances if like i can think of one other episode where we see like further into the kitchen because the camera's normally there which i thought was just quite a nifty little little thing to spot there is actually a really really great line i think it's actually in that scene um when they're talking about um privilege and patient confidentiality and mm. niles just so just off the cuff says yeah but um obviously that's the essence of our of our practice and of who we are but fortunately i'm a nice little get around <laughs> <laughs> i love that and that's just that's nice because it's so human as well if we had major's power we would never abuse it but you know sometimes if you needed to do something for you know for the moral good you know, you'd, you'd be tempted to, to kind of skirt and cheat code like Niles is doing. And it's just, it's such a wonderful insight into the two of them. I just, I really like it. I know we've got a while till we get to the candidate, but that's one to look forward to. So in the kind of denouement, the ending of here's looking at you, Frazier kind of gives the great little speech to Martin we've already talked about where he's assuming the figure of the father and he says how in dating the ultimate goal is still the same, which I think was a great throwaway line. It's a wonderful line. The wardrobe's different, but your your ultimate goal is still the same, Dad. It's just <laughs> it's just so good. It's so good. Because Martin, you know, for all his kind of his age and his ailments, he's a pretty sexually active geezer in, in this show. And I think more power to him, I say. Yeah, I think it's nice actually that you see that that flip side of it. And it's something that they do obviously have an episode where they sort of where Frasier has to deal with his father being a sexual creature and all this. Yeah, yeah. But it's nice, I think, that as a sitcom, the fact that Martin is an older man living with his son rather than a kid living with their parents, and this mm. whole relationship of him dating and all this, it's really nicely done. It's Yeah, so it kind of flips so many different things on its head. It subverts that idea of, you know, the teenager, you know, boy or girl kind of sneaking around trying to get, you know, their lover into the house. And we have like episodes where Martin is literally trying to to sneak out, you know, one of one of his loves um, before Frasier wakes up. So, yeah, the more you actually think about the kind of parental child dynamic in this show, it's it flips so much on its head. Um, What I will ask, because I'm not sure if I like it or not. The last scene, we obviously we don't see Irene, but she sees that from her perspective. What do you think of that camera angle? I am so glad you asked this, Key. This just shows how vibing we are together because i have that's the last thing i wrote down on my word document for this week where i made notes i saw every time i watch this episode the camera angle really creeps me out see there's a part of me that likes it there's a part of me that hates it i like the fact i think again i think martin comes across as quite vulnerable in that he's Mm. looking into the camera you don't see irene and you're seeing it from her perspective yeah but at the same time i just think the camera's too high up I feel she's a foot taller than him, and he, he seems so small. 
<laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't even considered the height of the camera, but that's one other reason against this this scene for me, is yes, Irene is freakishly gigantic, <laughs> but um, I just think the camera lingers too long in this scene. You expect it to cut, and the cut doesn't come, yeah. and it feels really weird. Martin takes too long in the delivery of the lines, um, hi, how you doing? Uh, it's nice to finally meet you, or, or whatever the two lines are. There's a big pause in between those lines when you think, now the camera's going to cut, or the, se- the scene's going to end. And it goes on for like 10 seconds too long. It must surely have been the fact that we don't see a all episode. The point is their relationships, you know, existing via a lens, via a telescope, that that's what they're trying to create again, which I get completely. Um, but yeah, I don't think it works super well. And as endings go for like episode endings of Frasier, it really does stick out in how it's so kind of fourth wall breaking almost yeah i mean i do like the idea actually as you just said about that their relationship is through a lens that actually makes a lot of sense yeah Um, so maybe yeah maybe that's what they're going for but i think we're right that we've got some grievances with it a little bit yeah it's just it's a bit weird that's that's my main issue with it it's a bit weird it's just (laughs) i think that's a perfectly valid this is this isn't an academic podcast i think that's i think that's valid (laughs) so one thing i want to ask is because we're getting to the to pretty much to the end of the episode now have you made a note of whether the episode title is used in the episode? You normally are on duty for this. Oh, I don't think it is. I usually I don't make think a it note is either. when I hear it and I didn't hear yeah, it. So I, yeah, I'm... I am. I'm almost certain it's not. I think it's a, it's a, it's kind of a a pun on um. Here's looking at you, kid. From I, I think is that oh. Gone with the Wind or Casablanca? I can't I quite remember. Um, it definitely, I think it's Humphrey Bogart. Oh, it's Casablanca then, yeah. But yeah, that's obviously a really famous line. So they're they're obviously riffing on that. Martin's got a bit of the the bogey about him, you know. He's he's kind of an old school um, kind of blue eyed guy. So obviously and, and literally a pun on you know looking through the telescope. Yeah. So yeah, but not using the episode. But yeah, I I, I like the fact that I mean this episode we just said a riff on on on. Casablanca and a lot of episode titles do that they're riffing films I think of like Fraser Crane's Day Off um, yeah. obviously a riff on Ferris Bueller uh, which is you know that episode's coming up at the end of this season so yeah quite a few little riffs and parodies of, of other shows and films yeah I mean just looking through actually you could li- you could just go through this and just guess who's coming to breakfast can't buy me love a midwinter night's dream like there are they are all... yeah I for- I'm, I'm forgetting all of these but yeah, yeah they're all they're all riffs aren't they it's just yeah. you had a host of writers that were so intelligent and so into kind of yeah their their frame of reference the writers they were they were really up on their theater and tv and film and all the classical references that we that we think of as quintessentially Frasier, you know, that is all coming from the individual writers' minds because they're all just this, that way inclined. And I just think it shines through in, in kind of stuff like that. Yeah, and it's, it's it's just so clever. It really is. I mean, I remember once seeing a TV show, and um, the episode, the, the TV show Frasier is referenced in it, the TV show is called Better with You. It's a great show. Only ran for one mm-hmm. season. It's a fantastic show. Um, and in it, the girl's parents. Whenever she break, they whenever she had a boyfriend that they didn't like, they would cut out Kelsey Grammer's face and stick it over a picture of him. <laughs> um, and he goes, "Why did they do that?" And she went, "Oh, they love Frasier. They always say, finally, a show that's intelligent as we are." Um, <laughs> I have not even heard of this TV show. Oh, it was on. I think it was. Is it Five Star? Or something yeah, like that. I used to show a lot of US shows over here. Yeah, and it only ran for one season. It's not out on DVD, and it's just it was a 
fantastic. I love it. I absolutely love it as a show. Wow. Uh, but yeah, that's what I always think. Whenever I, there's a really intelligent moment in Frasier, I always think back to that. I'll have to, I'll have to see if I can watch a few episodes of that. I've just realised we're going to have to get better at how we do this. This is my fault. I haven't even asked you the other two trivia questions. Okay, so the belated second question that I should have, I should have asked you earlier. Where was the dentist from who had a breech birth who was related to Irene? Okay, so it's a weird place. Is it something like it's? Is it Boise that they? It say? is Boise. Oh my <laughs> God, Key. Honestly, there's no think, flies on you, sir. I think I have no idea. I, I've spelled it as B O Y S E Y. So I'm pretty no, sure. No, that's it's spelled B O I S E. Um and it's the state capital, I think, but I cannot remember where. I'm gonna I'm gonna oh Idaho. It's the capital of oh, Idaho, okay. so obviously very close. Also Pacific yeah. Northwest. And um, he was the one okay. with the bridge And my final question, which is quite an easy one, is what did Daphne prepare for Martin? Is it the coffee cake? It is gooey coffee cake, which then Martin adds butter to in the most <laughs> cholesterol-inducing heart attack-inviting meal I've ever heard of. Other than that, I think that wraps up. Here's looking at you, unless there's anything we've missed. Um, just a couple of points. Um, one, I've had a question in from a listener. Oh, uh, my God. Please share not, it. It's not Fraser-related, I'm afraid. Um, okay. Then, <laughs> have you watched Groundhog Day? How, oh, I said I was gonna, didn't I? You said that you were going to watch watch Groundhog Day Day and uh, eat a tin of sausage and beans. I will watch Groundhog Day, I promise. I will, uh, I've got a pretty busy weekend coming up. But I will endeavour to, to make space in my my sketch to uh, to watch it. And the tin of beans and, and the sausages, that the jury is still out on that one because, <laughs> frankly, it sounds disgusting to me. <laughs> I don't know if I can great. stomach it, to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, I think we've kind of, I think we've done a pretty rambling but comprehensive review of Here's Looking at You, episode yeah. five of season one. Maybe not our most structured episode, but we got there in the end. We got there in the end. We might have to um, move a few things around. <laughs> is this episode in your top ten? Uh, it's not in my top ten. I'd be very surprised if it's in yours as well. No, it's not in mine. I think we've made quite clear it's that not. this for us is probably one of the weaker ones of this, yeah, this has been a bit of a low point. Not, you know, a low point in Frasier is still a pretty good point generally. So yeah. that's not a slight to the writers. Um, but next week we will be looking at season one, episode six, which is titled The Crucible, which is all about Frasier and his art collecting. So we will uh, look forward to that one. But other than that, I've been Will. I've been Key. And thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Well, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs.